Hi friends, welcome to the Living Truth Podcast. I am Kristen Carey. I'm really excited to be interviewing Kathy and Conrad Reynolds. They are dear friends. They are just kindred spirits who work with women who've experienced sexual betrayal and men with unwanted sexual behavior. They both work for Daring Ventures. And many of you guys have gone to the Choose Connection Summit. Kathy was our interviewer. They are awesome. You guys, thank you for joining me. We are so excited so to, be honored to be here. Thank you, Kristen. What a pleasure. So many people listening, you guys, are in the mess. They're in that messy mm-hmm. middle of not knowing what is going to happen. Is my marriage going to make it? Is it not? If my yeah. marriage doesn't make it, am I going to make it? Am I going to be okay? Where yeah. is God in all of this mess? So many people who are hurting and you guys have such an incredible story of hope that I wanted to invite you to share some of your story where you're going to, you're going to share the good, the bad, and the ugly, right? Through the story of sexual brokenness, betrayal. So I'd love to just kick that off with you guys sharing some of your story with us. Oh yeah. I would love to. Can I start? Absolutely. All right. All right. So I'll give you a little bit of um, just a brief little overview of my personal history. So I come from an abusive home, divorced parents, (laughs) and my father was actually a Pentecostal preacher. So I've always known Jesus. Um, He's just always been very real in my life. But in 1992, um, while living at home with my mom and Conrad lives at home with his parents, I got pregnant. And it was then that I really turned my life over to the Lord. And I just, I just prayed and I said, God, I cannot do this by myself. I am a 18 year old unwed teenage pregnant Mm. woman. um, And I want a family for, for my child. So whatever you want me to do, Lord, whatever, whatever you would call me to do, just help me, equip me, and, you know, enable me to be able to do that. Mm. So fast forward, um, I spent 19 years really trying to learn how to be a godly wife, a godly mother. We did eventually get married. Um, our eventually. youngest, eventually, <laughs> our youngest was our ring bear in our wedding. If that tells you anything. Typical redneck wedding. It was yeah. a typical redneck <laughs> wedding. Um, so I, I spent all that time just really trying to learn how to be a godly wife and a godly mother. We did not have a good marriage. Hmm. There was a lot of abuse. Um, things were very unhealthy. We didn't have a good firm foundation. Um, and, and I didn't know what the problem was. I really didn't. I remember, Um, shortly before my discovery in 2010, I was in the shower and I was just begging God, you know, um, do something. I can't keep doing this. I can't live this way. And I just remember a conversation with him where he said, if said to me, you know, obviously not audibly, but to my spirit, if he never loves you the way that you want him to love you, am I enough for you? And I was not happy about that conversation. And I mean, God and I wrestled in the shower that day. And Mm. finally, I just said, yes, yes, God, if he never loves me the way that I need, want, desire him to, Mm. you're enough for me. Mm. Now, I didn't know what that meant at the time, but shortly after, he would would make that very (laughs) real for me. Mm. So you want to pick up there? 
Hmm, thank you for sharing that. That really touched me. Every time I hear that part of the story, it's um, it's <laughs> it's good to hear. It's good to hear now. Yeah, thank mm-hmm. you. Um, the short and sweet on me. So uh, yeah, Kathy and I met. Uh, actually, we met in driver's ed. So when we were fifteen, <laughs> uh, and we had ran into each other. Wait, wait, wait. Hold up. Hold up. 15 and he had a, he, he, Mr. Mullet man. So, sure. Yeah. Sure. Okay. I didn't, we can edit that I part pictures. Out. I'll um, show you. So <laughs> we, yeah, uh, that we, needs we to met the new headshot. Oh uh-huh, Lord. For sure. Um, <laughs> so we met in driver's ed, became friends. Um, yeah. and then we met several years afterwards. Um, and at the time mm-hmm. when we met in driver's ed, she had a boyfriend and I had a girlfriend. So, but we met several years later and, uh, as she said, started dating and, uh, you know, I remember, let me back up a little bit. So, uh, only child and I had two, uh, very, um, I was, I would say good parents, you know, they did the best they could with what they had. Um, but there was a lot they didn't know and simply couldn't deposit early on into my life because they were young parents too. They had me at a very young age, similar mm-hmm. to our story. Yeah. And so there was some dysfunction, you know, around that marriage and things that I experienced as a young child, um, that were unhealthy. Uh, that I carried on into, of course, my uh, my adulthood. But um, when Kathy and I got together, I remember for the first time ever, you know, really thinking, okay, because I had a sexual past, and it was due and and came from um, uh, abuse at an early age, you know, sexual abuse at an early age. So this really manifested in a way where I became sexually active at a really young age. And, uh, you know, so I, when I met Kathy, I remember, okay, I'm starting fresh, even remember telling my friends, Hey, none of the bad stuff. I don't want you to share anything, you know, about my former lives and girlfriends with this woman. I really want to start fresh. And I really tried to, you know, I really tried to move forward and give her my best. And as she said, we got pregnant really early and, um, yeah. And so obviously the behaviors came back because I had never really, um, you know, addressed, the true issues that were driving the behaviors. And so um, fast forward a little bit. I remember in 2003, so I never knew Jesus. I never knew Jesus, mm-hmm. had heard about him, had gone to church, but never had and never knew what a personal relationship even looked like or would consider. And so it was a 2003, we had started, we had, we had started going to a local church, mm-hmm. really became connected. And on Easter 2003, received Jesus. And um, that was a really, really special, cool experience, you know. Um, so I'm in my early 30s, right, receiving Jesus for the first time. And, uh, you know, I'd really hope there was a part of me that thought that Jesus was going to take care of all of it. You know, he was going to clean up the past. He was going to clean up the present. And he was going to keep me from doing anything stupid in the future. Mm-hmm. And that just simply wasn't my story, you know. So it uh, there was a period of time where mm-hmm. I didn't struggle looking back at my timeline and and everything, but of course, not knowing how to really deal with the the core issues, the behaviors came back. And so um, there was a breadcrumb trail. As I look back, there were a number of uh, of opportunities there where Jesus was kind of subtly nudging me and saying, hey, it's time. It's time to really talk about this and get mm-hmm. to the, you know, to the core issues. And, and um, but it was in 2011 was our D-Day. And Kathy had found some inappropriate text messages with me and another female. Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah, that was, that was, that was the beginning mm-hmm. of this whole experience with betrayal and, you know, discovery and how we navigate and move <clears throat> forward. So, yeah. Yeah. And when, you know, I was always looking for what's going to work next, yeah. what's going to work next as I'm doing all this, you know, homework to be this, you know, what I, 
thought was a godly wife and mother. And, yeah, because we're trying to be a couple, yeah. and there's mm-hmm. things that she just simply can't put her finger on, which was uncontrollable yeah. rage. You know, um, yeah. I was a very angry person, had become a very angry person. Right, so. right. And I thought when he got saved, well, this is it, obviously. Yeah, it. This is it, you know, the, Jesus is going to fix it all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all Which he, the, the old has is gone and the new has come. Okay. We take the, that verse Absolutely. out of context and think it yeah. is like a blanket statement for all of our behaviors, sure. and it's certainly not. Yeah, yeah. But for a season, things were very different. Mm-hmm. He was a very different person. Now, you know, in July of 2012, when we had our full therapeutic disclosure, um, and I could see the timeline, I mean, there was this two-year period after he was saved that he white knuckled it, mm-hmm. you know, he, there was that desire to really be different, you know, yeah. to, to mm-hmm. live a different life. But ultimately, as you know, it, I mean, at discovery or a disclosure when, when all I knew was this much, just to, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, if you can't see, I'm holding up two fingers and indicating an inch maybe of information I knew in a yardsticks length of a lifetime together. And I was, um, beyond traumatized, mm-hmm. um, turned me into somebody I did not know, um, really ushered in a, a huge crisis of faith for me. You know, God, where are you? I have dedicated my life to just mm-hmm. serving you. You know, at this time at Discovery, we were really active in our church. We mm-hmm. led a small group that, you know, everybody wanted to be a part of because we were like the cool small group. <laughs> um, and I, I thought we're living for the Lord and you know, how could you let this happen to me? Mm. I remember that conversation of how you, how could you let this happen to me? But we're trusting the process. And what I did not understand is his emotional capacity, mm-hmm. what he was, what he was capable of giving me and what he wasn't. So I had these expectations, but his capacity was down here. And that really set me up for failure ultimately, and set us up for failure. Mm -hmm. Um, It just became really toxic. I was somebody I didn't recognize. I didn't like myself. I was angry, hostile, um, violent, you know, all the things that that we do and we're in in full-blown trauma. And um, I always wanted our relationship to survive. I wanted to be one of those couples that made it. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) And I knew that was not going to happen if we were in the same house together. Mm. It just would not happen. It got too toxic, so unhealthy. So I finally, you know, asked him to move out. Yeah. 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 And, and, you know, I thought early on after, I guess, so we're, we're post-disclosure, right? Mm -hmm. We're Mm post-disclosure. I really thought the disclosure, um, Kristen was more about just getting the secrets out, purging the secrets and really uh, no more bad behaviors and you go on living happily ever after. Mm-hmm. And I guess I really didn't understand that, um, you know, that disclosure, how traumatic of an event events, mm-hmm. you know, um, we're just going to completely traumatize this woman. So I really uh, didn't understand that it wasn't just about stopping the behaviors. It was more about, you know, the cycles and what leads to the behaviors. And so, yeah, when she, when she asked me to move out, um, you know, I thought, hey, maybe this is maybe this is better for us. You know, maybe the the separation, maybe the distance will, you know, uh, will help me work on my my stuff. She works on her stuff. We can come back together. And so I thought there for a while it was it was a way for me to separate from from the pain. 
because every time I saw, you know, how traumatizing this was for her, every time she was triggered, every time she had a struggle, it was a reminder of what I did to her. Mm -hmm. And so when she was talking earlier about having a capacity is I really did not have the ability to understand how much pain this was actually causing her because I had been coached and had a lot of guys telling me, well, you know what? Yeah. You confess to a lot of, she should forgive you. Right. And so, <laughs> right. And so the expression on your face says it all. And, and, you know, that, that, mm -hmm. that was my mindset then, you know, I thought it was about mm -hmm. confession, forgiveness, mm -hmm. you know, that's, that's what Jesus supposedly does. And so let me pause you Conrad and ask you a question. Yes, um, did you guys have a, uh, a professionally guided therapeutic disclosure <laughs> or was it just yes. drive by? Okay. No, no, no. no. It, it was a, go ahead. Yeah, it was it, a professional. It was, it was a professionally guided well therapeutic. Mm -hmm. It was, I mean, our disclosure process was actually was beautiful. Yeah. Um, I had a lot of hope mm -hmm. after that process, mm -hmm. you know, believe it or not. I tell my, I tell my clients this all the time. A, a lot of times you feel closer than you ever have before. Sure. Yeah. You, finally you, know I them. you finally know yeah. them. And for the first time ever, I'm finally seen, right. Mm -hmm. And this person is not going to leave me. They're not going to desert me. You know, they're, they still want to be with me. And so for the first time ever, you know, that was, that was the fear for me. If this person only knew. Yeah. And whenever that was all out, the fact that she still wanted to be with me, that was just overwhelming, you know, because for the first time ever, one person on the planet fully knew everything about me. And that was a first, you know, mm -hmm. so the disclosure process was well done. It but was it well was done. the guidance you were getting from your support. Was it your recovery community, your church community that was giving you the, hey, she, she needs to forgive, like time to move on, that kind of advice? <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's, all, let's open that can of worms. All <laughs> the above. All the above, really, really. Yeah. And, okay, and you so know, uh, in their defense. Yeah, come on. Okay. So, for our couples who are listening right now, and they're in this mm -hmm. messy middle, and mm -hmm. the, the person with the unwanted sexual behavior is sitting here listening, maybe having a light bulb moment going, Oh, I thought that you were supposed to just forgive mm -hmm. and move on. I thought the disclosure was like a new beginning. What would you say to them, Conrad, now, all these years mm -hmm. later, and all the things you've learned and, and practice now as a recovery coach? I, I would say that forgiveness is like sanctification. It's a process. It's not an event. That's what I would say. And I would, uh, um, yeah, that's what I would tell them. You know, a lot of guys, me um, included, you know, I just thought that it was a one-time event. Yeah. Kind of like salvation, right? Mm-hmm that uh, there was just going to be this, this magical thing that happened between she and I, where she says, you know what, that was a lot of bad stuff. Now I forgive you. Let's move forward. You know, let's have the best years of our lives. The mm -hmm. best is yet to come. And I just honestly thought that was the way that it was supposed mm -hmm. to take place. You know, I didn't really, it wasn't until later, somebody told me, you know, forgiveness is one thing. Um, but building trust back is a, is a completely different story. And it was Jason that actually deposited that into my life. And, and you know, mm -hmm. of course, mm -hmm. of course, uh, he's deposited so much, but mm -hmm. yeah, you know, I really didn't have a good understanding of what 
that mm-hmm. was. Yeah. So, uh, so the disclosure to answer your question, the disclosure was a very thorough, it was a great process, you know, and mm-hmm. I would tell guys and I often tell guys it's necessary yeah. in order to move forward. You have to have truth. That's and right. uh, the two pillars for, for, you know, for the relationship, I think early on is safety and truth. And mm-hmm. so the disclosure was, was an opportunity for all the truth to be known for her to know her reality, mm-hmm. for us to have a really good starting line. Right. And disclosure was just the starting line. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, no, you just qualified for the race. Yeah, just qualified for the race. <laughs> you hadn't even so, started um, yet. <laughs> but it it was the coaching, it was the help, and it was the support. And you know, it, the the people that were in our immediate community really didn't know and didn't understand. Yeah, we were early on in all this. Yeah. Although 2012, you know, I mean, Appsats was just beginning. Yeah, they're just it was just in just in the early inception years. Yeah, and um, there there was not a lot of there were not a lot of CSATs in yeah. our area. Yeah. There weren't. So, no. um, and you discovered Jake by sheer accident. Oh, that was a complete accident that yeah. I found him. We didn't that was we didn't know course. about Martinkus. We didn't know about those guys. You know, we we just didn't know. And so when couples in our community in our church realized what we were doing, they're like, "What? You're going to do what? You're going to disclose what?" You're going to do a polygraph? polygraph? No, come what? on. Yeah. And it's like, no. And, and I remember early on when she asked me to do that, it was like for the first time ever, like, okay, this is it. The gig's mm-hmm. up. And so, mm-hmm. yeah. Did that answer your question? It did. Well, yes. There was a couple of questions in there. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I would say like to those, to those, um, what was your question? I want to make well, sure it was that like I'm for, especially for the people with the unwanted sexual behavior who are listening and they feel like yeah. we're stuck in this messy middle Yes. My partner won't forgive me because yes. that's okay. the advice they're goodness. getting, especially from their faith communities, this one and done, like, okay, forgive the past is, is behind, you yeah. know, let's move on right. and how unrealistic that is. Yeah. So here's what I would say to that. Yes, that's all true. That's all true. And you have to stand over the grave of that relationship and grieve it together. And grieve it, yeah, yeah. In order for something to be born, it has to first. And if you're death, if yeah. your partner, if your wife is still choosing to walk this out with you, that's forgiveness. That that <laughs> forgiveness required by God, you can check that off the off the mm-hmm, of the mm-hmm, the list. Mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. has been fulfilled, or she'd been out the door. Because it was a choice to stay in this relationship. She didn't have to. Oh, my gosh. You said that so well. So she's choosing you. So her grief and her anger and all all of the erratic emotions, those are invitations for you to be a part of the healing process with her. You can't fix it. You can't heal her. Only God can do that. But you can certainly be a part of the process with her yeah. and, and grieve with her. So don't let the anger and the emotions scare you. That's grief. It's, grief it's, it's trauma. I mean, when yeah. a and trauma. partner well loses their crap. They can't help it. It's no, traumatized. They're completely they traumatized. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Truly. And so I think really for men, for me, I'm sorry, for me, it was more about forgetting, not yeah. forgiveness. Yeah. And I just really, because every time I would see her completely traumatized, triggered, is a, it was a reminder of the crap that I had caused. That's right. You know, so that was the part that I really did not understand. And so when she talks about capacity, I really had, I really didn't have a good understanding of the shame piece, you know, and I really didn't have a good understanding of how I could be a good man despite my bad behaviors. Mm, and say so that again, that was, Say that again. I, you could be a good man. I re- yeah, I really did not have the capacity to understand that I could, I could be a good man 
but despite mm-hmm. the bad behaviors. Right. Yeah. So I really, you know, and that was really a key part in our story. You know, she had told me before you're a good man, you know, and it was through the separation, the divorce process that I really started exploring, you know, the idea, can I, could I truly be a good man? You know, After and yeah, am I still worthy of, you know, and yeah. God was really tilling the soul of my heart, you know, in, in those last few weeks before she made that final bit of connection. And he had prepared an area where for the first time ever a seed was planted when she said, you're a good man. And I'm like, Phew. and so I'm holding this thing that I now know is grace, you know, and, and, and I'm like, what do I do with it? And she says, receive it. Mm-hmm. receive it. And I didn't know how to do that. Yeah. So the capacity again was just not believing, mm-hmm. being able to receive that I could possibly be a good man. And so that was a, that was a major turning point mm-hmm. for us. But yeah, I think a lot of guys get, you know, it, it just, it's that, that spiral, that dance that you get into seeing her pain as a reminder of the things that I've caused. Right. It's tapping into my shame and they just simply, they want to get away from it. So it's more about forgetting that they're calling forgiveness and let's just move on and never talk about it again. Well, you just simply That's can't not realistic. That. It's you not do that. No. Can I, you can have I, to go. Th- so again, you have to go through it. You yeah. have to process through it, it has to be. Yeah. You going have to on experience. A, you remember that, that nursery um, song going on a bear hunt, uh-huh. No. Sing you know, <laughs> going on a bear hunt and um, come up on a mountain. Uh-huh. You, you can't go under it. You can't uh, go around it. You've got to go over it. Ooh, I mean, you just, or wh- you whatever it is. Yep. Um, yeah. So I want to go back to really quickly um, the, the, the point where this became a spiritual issue and not a recovery issue. Mm-hmm. So after our disclosure, um, I had my, my laundry list of boundaries, you know, things that, I expected him to do and to do well and to do consistently and to not ask questions about um, not understanding the capacity and and that I needed to slow down as a partner. So if you're a partner and you're listening, slow down, don't overwhelm each other. Don't overwhelm yourself. Mm. Decide what you need. What do you have to have? So you feel safe Mm -hmm. knowing that he's doing the work of recovery. So he doesn't blow up your world again. So for me, I mean, I had a lot of different things that were all good things. They weren't bad. Um, And they're reasonable requests in a normal, healthy relationship. But I I didn't understand what he was capable of. So I remember I was at a girlfriend's house and I was, we were doing soaking worship. And I have never had a vision before. And I honestly have not had a vision since, but I had two. And one of the ones that I had on that, on that trip was it was Jesus. And he came to me and he sat by me Hmm. and he put his arms around me. And he said, I know, I know your heart is breaking. Mine's breaking too, but he can never choose you until he chooses me first. And it, it felt like an invitation to get out of the way. Mm-hmm. And um, and at that point, it no longer became about all the behaviors, the recovery things that he wasn't doing. It was the Lord's way of telling me this is bigger than than him checking off a to do list of things to do. I got to have his heart, mm-hmm. or you're not, or 
it's not going to happen. <clears throat> and then shortly after is, is when I, you know, had asked him to move out. And when he moved out, Kristen, <clears throat> the relief on that man's face was, it was memorable. I, he was so relieved whenever I asked him to leave. And he left with nothing but the shirt on his back and went and got an apartment, fully furnished it, and didn't look back. Wow, yeah, and just kind of thought, you know, I'm putting words in your mouth, but keep going. You're reminding me. Um, that it's just I, I really believed at that point that that was it. He was gone. He yeah. didn't want to work on this marriage. He he wanted me to pull the plug. I wanted the pain to stop, to be honest with you. Right. And that and and the, and I and I appreciate you sharing this again. The pain for me was just again seeing the um the pain that I had caused her. Mm-hmm. and seeing how much damage it had done. And really, it wasn't so much the freedom that I wanted to just go live my life the way that I wanted to live my life. It was mm-hmm. more just, I couldn't stand to see her this way, right? you know? And um, so for me, when she asked me to leave, I really thought in, in a twisted way that, you know, this would be a good time for us to have separation and I could work on myself and she could work on herself. And it was just, it was, it was white knuckling daily, you know, mm-hmm. not to go back to the behaviors. So, um, which eventually he did. Mm-hmm. Eventually he did. Yeah. Yeah. Eventually I fell right back mm-hmm. into it. That's what yeah. happens when we don't do the deep work. Right. That's right. Amen. Yeah. yeah. That's right. No deep work up until that point. And so going back to what I said earlier, you know, it, it there was no work. Right. I thought it was still about the behaviors. Just don't do the dumb stuff that got you in the position right. that you're currently in, you know, just about stopping that. And it was just a daily grind and a struggle yeah. and nobody in community recovery was really addressing the core stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, let's go back and do some family of origin work. You know, none of that was mentioned. So yeah. um, I just really didn't have the tools yet, you know? Um, mm-hmm. So, And I was angry mm-hmm. at that point. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Um, and I was angry at God. You know, because again, I'm waiting for him to show up and I keep thinking he's showing up Mm -hmm. and I'm just, I'm pissed, honestly. Mm -hmm. Like, where are you? Mm -hmm. I remember one night I had, um, because I was, of course, had this belief that he's out there living his best life, right? He's living the single life, no responsibility, um, doesn't have to be home with our, you know, young son who was, struggling. Who was really struggling, mm-hmm. crying, didn't mm-hmm. understand. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm just, the bitterness is just like taking root in me mm-hmm. day after day. And I went through a moment where I thought, God, you're not, you're not real. Mm-hmm. This is all fake. You're not real. Mm-hmm. I have been living my life for just some fantasy idea of a, you know, all knowing, all loving God, because if you were real, you would not have allowed this to happen. And I, I had seen a picture of him online with a bunch of people and it, and it triggered me. And it was like two o'clock in the morning. I was, my brain was offline. And so I just, I could have reached out to a friend, but I didn't. I put something on Facebook and I'm like, is anybody awake? I really need to talk. And um, my friend Mona um, was uh, in this, you know, my friend Mona, and this ended up being her story as well. She was available and she just listened. 
She mm. just let me scream and yell and cry. Be and, messy. Yeah. And mm. um, didn't try to fix it, didn't try to over spiritualize mm. it with me, just sat in it with mm. me. And eventually, you know, I came around to the to the truth. But I remember that being a really pivotal moment for me. Mm. And shortly after that, um, you know, I I resolved myself to the to the reality that um I can't change him. There is nothing I can do that is going to change that man. Okay. And I just Happy. have to surrender that to God. That is so important. Can you say that again? I <laughs> yeah, that. that. <laughs> Underline it, listeners. Yes. Say there, it again, Kathy. There, there was absolutely nothing that I could do that was going to change him. Nothing. No boundary as that I said. As hard as you tried, as no, many books I could as not. you recommended. I yeah. couldn't love him enough. Mm-hmm. I couldn't I couldn't do enough of my own work. There was nothing that I could do that would change this man. I was completely powerless mm. to change him. Good work. But I could do the work to help me, and which is what I did. And I poured yes. my heart into helping heal myself. But I always held on to the hope for him. And, and, and the Lord just, he, he would really, he did a work on me. Um, it, it, it brought me to a true dying of myself. Mm-hmm. Um, all the times that he would remind me, this is a spiritual battle, Kathy, this is a spiritual battle. You aren't going to be able to fight this battle in the physical here. You have to fight this in the spiritual. Taking you back to that moment where he said, am I enough? And Am I taking me back to that moment where Mm -hmm. he said, am I enough? And so I would just pray and, Mm -hmm. and, you know, God sent me a girlfriend. It was Connie. Hmm. And, um, you know, the first person in my life who supported my desire Hmm. for reconciliation because nobody else did. So see where God is showing up. And I think that's our topic, right? Where was God in all this? Mona, Mm -hmm. Connie, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And Connie was the first person who said, you know, (laughs) the shower, you know, you, of course, Mm -hmm. of course Mm -hmm. you want reconciliation. He's your husband. You love him. Mm -hmm. And she's like, we're going to pray. We're going to pray. And we're going to ask, we're going to believe that God is going to get a hold of his heart. We're going to believe that he's going to repent. We're going to believe that, mm. that, that God is going to send him to every man's battle. We're going to believe that he's going to get a community of men that are going to come alongside of him and love him. And you're going to reconcile and get remarried. And I was like, well, okay, I'm, that's a nice pipe dream, Connie. Um, so well, I'll, what, I'll, <laughs> at, what point, at what point did you go through with um, ending the marriage? So um, I, eventually he cut me off financially. And that was my non-negotiable boundary. So this point she's talking about with Connie, uh, probably a year and a half before that, she, we had divorced. Yes, we had divorced. Okay. We yeah. were divorced at this that. time. Yeah. 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 So backing up, we separated mm-hmm. shortly after he cut me off financially. I was a stay-at-home mom. Mm-hmm. And in order to protect myself, I had to divorce. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I had to go through with the divorce, and go back which to was work. brutal. Uh, and then, yes, yes, which is why I became a coach. Mm-hmm. And um, when I was building my practice, looking for CSATs, that's how I found Jake. And that's how we began working together back in 2014. So, and then right around that same time is when I met Connie. Mm-hmm. So we, um, we just, we prayed for him. 
We did. There was nothing I could do to fix it. And there, there were times through the divorce that I would reach out and, you bids know, make these yeah, bids yeah. to try to connect with him. And the more work I started to do with Jake, the more I began to realize what was missing for, from our recovery as a couple. Post-disclosure. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Because this is after the disclosure. Hmm? Because I know, I know we have tons of listeners that are listening that are wondering, what is it that they're missing in their recovery right. as a couple? So can you tell right. us the bullet points? What are the biggest sure. things that a couple needs after so un- everything yeah, after. Yeah. So, and understand where we're at on the timeline when she's mentioning Connie. So we're roughly 2014, Mm -hmm. 2012 was our disclosure. So we had already been divorced for about a year Mm -hmm. and a half. So, Mm -hmm. so, so what do couples need? First of Mm -hmm. all, they need, um, they need individual support. Yep. Um, they need couple support. You're still a couple. Mm -hmm. If you're going to stay together, you're going to work this thing out. You have to have support as a couple and it's, it's not just anybody. It's got to be somebody who understands the recovery that you go through as a couple. You've got to be able to grieve together. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so you've you've got to be able to stand over the the grave of your old life and your own your old marriage and 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 grieve that together. Together, um, you've got to learn how to create new relational dynamics. Mm-hmm. You got to learn how to talk to each other about what the deeper emotional wounds are that you're experiencing. It's not about how he left the toilet seat up. It's, it's about (laughs) how you feel disrespected because he left the toilet seat up after you worked so hard to clean the bathroom or whatever. It's just about having somebody walk you through the messy, Hmm. somebody to, to hold space for you as a couple to be able to say, okay, it's okay that you feel that way. Okay. It's okay that you feel that way. Now, how are you going to choose connection? Yep. How and are then, you going to choose each other? What then, is it going to look like to create safety for your life? Yeah. And so, and then for the men, I would say, uh, first of all, get you have to have community. Yeah. You have to have men that you can share experience life with men yeah. that are going to hold you accountable, men that are going to give you a sense of belonging. I think, you know, if you cannot find a place where you feel like you belong, you're going to struggle. Yeah, And that was one of the things looking back that I never had. I never had a community of men that said, come on in, look, we're fixing to have dinner and you've got a place at the table, Mm -hmm. you know? And so I love that word picture because one of the things that these guys, my scrubs created for me was a place at the table. Mm -hmm. And they told me, Mm -hmm. we'll never remove that spot. Mm -hmm. So there's a sense of belonging there, you know, that, uh, that welcomed me in, Hey, come as you are. We get it. We love you. We understand. But hey, we're going this direction, you know. And so through that experience of belonging, I started to really understand my true identity. And so these men could, going back to your question earlier, could help me really decipher the difference between shame and guilt. Mm -hmm. Hey, I did some wrong things versus I am a wrong thing, Mm -hmm. you know. And so there was a really good separation there. And so through community with other men, I found that sense of belonging and then identity. And through that, we discovered our purpose. Yeah. 
you know, and so um, I would say for men, you, it's key. I mean, that's one of the first things I tell guys, who, who do you have to love on you? Yeah, because you it know? can't be your wife. It cannot be your wife. Uh-huh. And these guys early on rallied around me and said, hey, bring your bring your legit needs, you know, because yes. I have legit needs too. And and a lot of times I don't think that the, the addict or the person that's actually done the betraying really understands, hey, I can get my needs met too. Yeah, we just got to do it the right way, right? And so they would tell me, hey, we'll love on you. We'll support you. You know, we'll give you that sense of worth that you're longing for. But bring it here. She's traumatized. She's going through her stuff. We're going to give her time to heal, you know. And so that was key. And that was a pivotal, pivotal Mm -hmm. part for uh, a turning point for me, because prior to us reconciling, I never had true community. I would go to meetings and I would meet guys, but I never really had a deep, intimate connection with another man. And so that, that was key. Um, and then in addition to that is, is make sure that you men make sure you surround yourselves with guys that understand betrayal trauma yes. and what it does. It doesn't mean For she's sure. codependent, you know, it doesn't, I mean, she really, they really have to have an understanding for what betrayal trauma does mm-hmm. to the individual yeah. when they're triggered and they go offline, how they just simply can't help it, you know? And mm-hmm. so, um, and have some tools on how to handle that. Yeah. And for the partners, she needs a community too. Yeah. She's got to have a community of women for the same exact reason that he does. He can't carry all of that all the time. Right. And and so I think that's important. And she needs boundaries. That's she so needs she boundaries. Can so that she can Absolutely. feel safe. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And boundaries actually make relationship possible. If you don't have them, boundaries are freedom. They are. In between boundaries are actually freedom. Because what happens if you don't have boundaries, you have these expectations that are unspoken, Mm -hmm. and then you are resentful because they're not doing it. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't help anybody. Mm -hmm. So if you know, okay, so, and and this is a perfect example. When we got back together, he thought, oh, great, we're going to pick up where we left off. I mean, no, 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 no. no, no. Let me take that out. He thought, oh, great. We're going to start over from scratch. Brand new, build a new life together. And we don't have to talk about all that stuff. And I said, no. We pick up where we left off. We pick up where we left off. And here's the boundaries, you know. And he, here's how, here's how you know there's real change. When you set boundaries, and I'm, and when I say boundaries, I'm saying reasonable requests. Okay. I'm not saying take out the trash every single day as a boundary. I'm talking about reasonable requests. Related to recovery stuff for the sake of safety. Yeah. Exactly. I need you to be in a men's group. I need you to have individual support with someone who understands sex addiction. You know, legit boundaries. When he does those things and does not push back on them, that is a good sign of recovery. Oh, it is. It's a huge trust builder. Absolutely. And so if, if, if your, if your husband is honoring those things, guess what? It makes it safe for you to be in a relationship with him. And for a lot of these guys, they really don't have an understanding capacity for what boundaries are because they never grew up understanding or knowing or having boundaries. Yeah. And, you know, I'm a sports guy. And so, you know, I tell these guys, a lot of the the guys I work with like sports, you know, and I say, well, when you're playing football, you know, you, you understand where the sidelines are at, right? It's boundary right? You can't just step out of bounds and run down the field and into the end zone and think it's a touchdown. No, you operate within the boundaries. 
good. So that's what I meant earlier whenever I said freedom. You learn to experience life in between the lines, and that's the freedom part. Mm-hmm. But for a lot of guys, they just simply early on don't understand what those boundaries are. And they feel instead like they're being they're like their wife is trying to control them. A lot of men interpret it that way. Yeah. No, we're just trying to, yeah, we're just trying to identify where the markers are, you know, so we can operate freely within. Yeah. And 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 what if she is right now? Yeah. So what if she is control? It's because she feels really unsafe. Yeah. There you go. Exactly. You just nailed it. Yeah. Yeah. So what if she is trying to control? Is it safety seeking or is it control? Of course. You know, can you you blow up this woman's life? Right. Yeah. Yeah. In the last 20 plus years, you've been a fraud, you know, and I don't mean Mm -hmm. that ugly, but that that was a reality in in our situation. Mm -hmm. So yeah, if these things are really stirring her on a deep level and shaking her, you know, her safety, well then of course, maybe she is going to be a a bit controlling it at times. Yeah. And you just have to, you just have to remember that you also have to both know what your worth is. Mm -hmm. You truly do at the end of the day, because we as partners can feel so much shame Mm -hmm. for how we show up and the anger and, you know, the even violent behaviors maybe that we engage in when we're in trauma. Um, But just having grace for each other. At the end of the day, knowing what your worth is, your worth is in Jesus, it's not in what you do, it's not in what you don't do, that's where your worth lies, and, and giving each other permission to be human, and as long as you come back together, mm-hmm. and and so, for example, if he blows it, we have an, we have, we have an interaction <laughs> if he blows it, um, or your, your husband blows it, if he comes back and he says, you know what, I blew that, I right. own it. Uh-huh. Can we do that over? Are you talking about last Friday night? <laughs> <laughs> no, that was yesterday. No, I'm kidding. Oh. Um, no. Um, that, it's okay to uh-huh. say yes. That's okay. Uh-huh. It's okay to let each other off the hook. It's okay uh-huh. to hold grace for your wife uh-huh. and to not feel like you've got to one-up her uh-huh. um, because, you know, she's got angry and maybe threw some F-bombs at you and in her uh-huh. anger. It's okay for you to let that stuff go. Yeah. Remember who she was before. And that's the sweet part in all this. And that's where we've really experienced a lot of growth is even in the messy, we mm-hmm. can experience connection. Yeah. And I love one of her famous quotes, you know, it's um, the absence of conflict does not mean we're connected. That's right. And so we've experienced Ooh, some of the that's best. A good that's one. good. One. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we, we can still experience some of the deepest, sweetest, mm-hmm. most intimate connection, even in the messy. Yeah. And we, know, do. And we, we do. do. Yeah. Yeah. You know, some of our, our I mean, because we haven't arrived, Kristen. You know, we just Nor we will haven't, we. Yeah, we haven't yeah. arrived. Yeah. We're just totally. a little further on up the mountain than some people, but we're yeah. still in this. Yeah. And I, I tell my clients all the time, I'm a partner first. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Then I'm a coach. Mm-hmm. So I get it. I've been there. Yeah. We're, we absolutely. haven't arrived. It's not all rainbows and unicorns over here. It's just absolutely. Not. And that was that That's was the realness in the community. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, graduation into heaven. Yeah, yeah. And all of this that we're sharing is just simply what we're giving back that was taught to us post post divorce. You know, yeah. it was getting into good community. It was getting into good relationships. It was getting the good help that we needed. Yeah. It was really understanding. And a healthy trauma. church, getting in a healthy church Ooh, boy, that, that understands, yeah. you know, um, sexual behavior, you know, and and trauma. So important. It. There needs to be more of those. Yeah, yeah. We're Absolutely. very blessed. We, what year we did you guys in- marry each other again? 
When did you remarry? 2016. Do you know that story? I don't. I'd love to hear a, okay. a, a brief. I might. Or... Yeah. It's well, brief. brief. Yeah. Yeah. We, um, so we reconciled October 15, 2015 is the night she knocked on the door. Um, fast forward just over a year later mm-hmm. and in a private ceremony, Kristen, Jake married Kathy and I, and uh, it was just our two boys, our daughter-in-law mm-hmm. and Kathy and I. So very sweet moment. So, mm-hmm. and how, you know, big of a, a part Jake has played mm-hmm. in all this and the fact that he could remarry us is a pretty sweet thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, That's so. so beautiful. And best of all, this is God's redemption. We get to be grandparents now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're going to be we a Wally and a, a of, Yeah, we just found out a couple of weeks yeah. ago. So. Oh, you guys, that's so exciting. Mm-hmm. So you both it's redemption, right? It is redemption. And you guys both got here because mm-hmm. you did the messy work. And that's it right. took years of hard work and surrender. Mm-hmm. There's a delicate mm-hmm. balance, right? Like, yeah, you got it. Right you can't lean too far one way or the other, or you're going to fall. But there's yeah, the, the exactly. delicate balance of surrender to God and doing the hard work and then doing it together in order to make a marriage work. It's miraculous. It's beautiful. Thank you guys so much for sharing your story of hope and for helping us remember God is there even in the midst of the mess. And those of you who are listening to Kathy and Conrad, I'm so glad they said, Hey, we haven't arrived because I look at them and and I listen to them and I'm like, man, they've got it going. <laughs> but we're all a mess. I'm a mess. Yes. Michael's a mess. A beautiful, a beautiful mess. mess. We are well beautiful said. messes. And so thank well you guys said. for your story of hope. And I will put links in the episode description for people who want to get in touch with you guys. Thank you so much for sharing all that you did today with our listeners. Thank you, Kristen, for having us. I love you so much. Give your husband a hug for us. I will. I will. Okay, you guys, until the next episode, I am holding out hope for you.